What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined by my colleague and co-host Jamie D'Amico here on the podcast. We are recapping Buffalo's Week 11 victory over the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo squished the fish in a big way, 37-20 to 20 down in South Beach. They had a lot of sacks on the beach with seven sacks of Ryan Fitzpatrick. They had a mostly thorough, complete game plan. Uh, the only area that really was disappointing was special teams. But we don't want to rain on the parade, Jamie, of Bills fans. Let's focus on the positives. For the first time all year, it really seems like Buffalo put together a complete, thorough game. They whooped up on the fish. And this win was huge in the fact that Buffalo, you know, showed that they can dominate a team. You know, there's there's a lot of positives to unpack in this game, you know, whether it be the passing game coming to life, the run defense stepping it up. Uh, there, there were some things to like, and it seemed like they got themselves back on track after kind of, I don't want to call it a clunker, but a game that they should have won against Cleveland. Oh, they definitely should have won that Cleveland game. And boy, if we were sitting here with an eight and two team with six wins in conference play, it would be a whole different story. But as it is, Buffalo is still in control of their dest of their fate so far with the playoffs, you know, being the number one seed for the wild card uh, with five conference wins, another AFC game coming up on Sunday versus the Denver Broncos. But Jamie, for me, what I really liked about this game was Brian Dable went back and start. I know he's taken a lot of heat recently as far as what he's done with the offense, throwing the ball 40 times in Cleveland when you really were hoping to see a lot of the run game. They got back to basics. They got back to the offense that we want to see out of this team, which is pounding Devin Singletary, who had 75 yards on 15 carries, five yards per carry. He did have two fumbles, but that's the rookie learning curve I think you're going to see with a rookie running back. But he also trusted Josh Allen just to read and see what was in front of him. And to me, the big takeaways are Dable called a really good game from the coach's booth instead of on the field, which I think really allowed him to maybe better understand what his quarterback was seeing. Because I think for so long they had the kid gloves on with Josh Allen having Brian coach from the sidelines. They moved him up to the coach's booth and it made all the difference. And there was another side to what they did, which was to keep the same personnel grouping on the field and also to speed up the offense, let Josh Allen call some plays at the line of scrimmage. That seemed to have done a lot as far as keeping Josh Allen's head where it needed to be. I, I would imagine if you're sending in personnel groupings as rapidly as the Bills do, it can lead to some confusion. And maybe we saw some of that uh, with Josh Allen uh, in some of the the games that he played where he wasn't quite as uh, wasn't quite as with it, we'll say. But uh, I, I feel like the pace suits him very well. 
and uh, allows him to get a feel for what the defense is doing when he's calling plays at the line of scrimmage and keeping that personnel grouping. They kept their best athletes on the field at all times. And, you know, one of the uh, one of the side benefits was there were no holding calls on Lee Smith. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And and for fans that are wondering what we're talking about with the personnel, the Bills basically ran an 11th set where they had a, a one running back and a one tight end with three wide receivers out there. The 11 personnel set was much of what they did for the offense. It was mostly a spread offense. And Josh Allen really seemed to take off under this format. He went 21 of 33 passing for 250. 56 yards. That's the second highest passing total of his career. Yeah, he arguably, Josh Allen arguably had the best um, all around performance of his career. Three total passing touchdowns, two of which went to John Brown, the other went to Dawson Knox. He really seemed to read and react to what the Dolphins were showing him. He, there was a quote where he said there was something about the Dolphins' safeties, and he recognized when they were getting nosy on the field that is trying to cheat in off their coverage. And Josh was able to read and react extremely well on Sunday. He also ran for seven yards a carry, getting 56 yards on eight carries. And to me, Jamie, I think it was huge to just let Josh, they talked about the play fearless during the week leading up to the game. I feel like Josh really did play fearlessly on Sunday. You know, he made accurate throws. He made great reads downfield and he and John Brown continue to have just outstanding chemistry. I think John Brown really deserves major national attention for what he has done so far this year. He had nine receptions on Sunday, 137 yards, the third highest total of his career, and he had two huge touchdowns, including a 40-yard touchdown pass where Josh Allen had a 27-yard throw in the air. That, my friend, is a deep ball completion. That was something worth getting up and shouting about, and it was a thing of beauty. The way he looked off the safety to his left and then turned to his right through a laser right on line to John Brown. John Brown ran over a dude in order to get into the end zone, which was obviously fun to watch. Um, But speaking of John Brown, this speaks to the chemistry that the two of them have, being Josh Allen and John Brown. Over 75% of John Brown's catches have been for a first down. Not only is he coming to life in this offense, but he's catching the ball when it counts. And this is the best free agent signing we've seen in years by the Bills. And let's hope that the pro personnel department has a few more of those up their sleeves because they're not paying the guy a huge amount of money either. Yeah, it was a bargain basement signing for Buffalo who had missed out, of course, on some of the other top-notch free agents that came through the offseason. John Brown has been outstanding. He was a matchup nightmare for the Dolphins' depleted secondary all day on Sunday. And it was great to see 14 targets go towards John Brown. Feed your superstar receiver. And Jamie, I will say, I guarantee you, nobody out there in Football Nation predicted that in week 12 that you would see two of the top receiving threats in the AFC when John Brown of the Buffalo Bills goes up against Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. What a what a year both those guys have been having. That, no chance. Um, I still don't know who Cortland Sutton is, even though I see his name in the uh, in the box scores. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. He has a lot of chemistry with his Allen, who is Brandon Allen, which, of course, uh, means on Sunday the Bills will have the Allen versus Allen showdown at New Era Field. Josh for the Bills and Brandon for the three-win Denver Broncos, who somehow blew a 20-point lead over the Minnesota Vikings and fell 27-23. to 23. But we, we get ahead of ourselves. Let's revel in the 
fun that was Sunday for Buffalo Bills. And I want I say fun because it didn't start off as fun as it could have been. The Bills had the number two red zone offense in the entire football National Football League, and then they go down and they only score three field goals on three very promising drives. They were clamping down on defense, but the offense wasn't quite finishing the job out there. Jamie, to me, I was a little bit concerned. Um, actually, I will say I was concerned, but I was glad that what happened happened with the offense because it allowed Steven Hauschka to get back on track, including a 51-yard field goal where he had not made a 51-yard field goal in more than a year. It was great to see Hausch money get back on track. I The Bills really need him to be right mentally and right physically on the field. And I think booting three field goals a week after missing a 34-yarder, which really would have cost the Bills dearly. You know, last week it was great to see Stephen Hauschka get back on track from long distance. So I guess that's my positive takeaway. The Bills moved the ball all day and still managed to get points, and Hauschka got some confidence. You obviously want them to punch it into the end zone, but I think that it was very important that uh, that McDermott sent him out onto the field for a long field goal. We we need to get the guy's confidence back in order for him to be effective through the rest of the year. So I, I, I thought that was... I, I thought that was very much the right decision. And the other side of it is they've been going for it on fourth down a heck of a lot. And you saw that even more in, in this game, which is not something I expected McDermott to do. But um, I, I was glad that they showed their their faith in him uh, to get the job done. Um, speaking of McDermott, typically when you look over at him on the sideline, he's uh, Clappy McClapperson. And... This week seemed to be a little bit different. He got testy with the media, and he just looked pissed off in the second half of the game. So I was sort of wondering if McDermott decided, hey, I've coddled you guys long enough. Now I'm going to kick you in the ass until you perform the way I expect you to. And that may have worked out there. Yeah, uh, Jamie, I'm glad you brought up that with with McDermott. I think that for too long, you know, he we all know that he's the affable coach of the Buffalo Bills and the players really respond to him. But after a while, you get used to a coach's mannerisms and a coach's routines. I was glad to see him shake it up, get pissed off on the sideline. And it shows that even though the Bills had this game in hand, he really wanted to see them finish the opponent, put their foot on the throat of the Dolphins, step on it and send them to a misery finish on the day at South Beach and Buffalo. <laughs> they, I mean, I'm thinking of Mortal Kombat out here, you know, finish him. You've got him on the ropes, right. And the Bills did that to the Dolphins. It was great to see. And, you know, I want I'm glad we're talking about motivational uh ploys and tactics here because I want to give a huge shout out to Tremaine Edmonds, the second year linebacker. We know how talented he is. We know how much his progress has really been key with this defense. As the defense goes, Edmonds has gone, but he's usually a quiet, soft-spoken guy. This was the first time that I can tell, and there was a great piece in The Athletic talking about Tremaine Edmonds, the pregame speech that he gave Saturday night to fire up this defense. The defense has definitely taken their licks. They've been gashed on the ground game, especially with Philadelphia and Washington. So what happens? They come out and they play inspired football against the Miami Dolphins, holding Miami to 23 rushing yards, getting seven sacks of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tremaine Edmonds was a beast out there on Sunday. He had 12 tackles. He had half a sack. We saw more blitzes coming from Leslie Frazier's defense. To me, I thought it was huge to watch the other quarterback of this team Team. Tremaine Edmonds on defense really step up and embrace that leadership role and the veterans respond. 
responded. They very much did. And it's good to see more blitzing going on. The The Bills defensive line hasn't quite been getting the job done on pass rush, in particular Trent Murphy who saw his snaps diminish this week on uh, on defense. But, you know, I, I feel like despite the Bills being very good in coverage, especially Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano when they're dropping backwards, you do need to mix it up. And you saw a lot of that with the blitzes coming through the A-gaps, which is up the middle. Uh, and, you know, they, in fact, Milano and Edmonds split a, a split a sack. I would like to see uh, Edmonds coming off the edge. I feel like he could be one of the best rushers in the NFL, but that would take him out of coverage where he excels as well. So um, I, I was happy with his performance overall. One of the things that I, I found rather noteworthy is the Dolphins offensive line is not very good. It was it was obvious that they were just completely whiffing on blocks throughout a good portion of the game. And it's refreshing to see another team do that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it was great to see. And what really was awesome, Jamie, was it wasn't like we were talking about Jerry Hughes having four sacks and Shaq Lawson getting two, eight different players had at least half a sack in the win, including newcomer Corey Liggett, who really has a lot of potential, I think on this defense, because the bills fans all uh, all during the the trade deadline, Bills fans were clamoring for another addition to the defensive line to replace Harrison Phillips. I'm not saying that Corey Liggett is that guy, but he had more potential, I feel like, than anybody else Buffalo could have signed off the street. And getting him to really improve the depth of this defensive line was huge. Uh, even Star Latule got in the action with a full sack. Ed Oliver had a full sack. Jerry Hughes, Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, while Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano each had a half a sack. Every member of the interior defensive line had a sack. It was unbelievable. I honestly, Jamie, can't tell you the last time I saw Frazier or the Bills dial up this many blitzes against a team, and it worked to perfection. Fitzy was befuddled all day long in South Beach. Now, granted, Devontae Parker, we'll talk about him and his impact in a little bit, but I thought it was great just to set the tone and let the Dolphins know, hey, you know what? That's cute. You guys have a two-game winning streak. We are going to bury you with this aggressive defense, and it really paid big dividends. It it absolutely did, and there's something that you sort of forecasted in our preview show, which was that on defense, Kevin Johnson was going to be taking some snaps away from Levi Wallace at corner. And that was exactly what happened. I figured that it would wait until the second half of the game, but they started after the uh, after the second series on defense and it kept that rotation up uh, two series and then two series. How did you see that one coming? You know, I, I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about Kevin Johnson. Look, I love Levi Wallace last year. He was a great success story, but it's just shown that teams have caught up to him and they've, you know, they figured out the way to beat him. He's not the most physical of corners. He can get beat over the top. And I think Kevin Johnson just shows he has more ability to grasp and contribute this year against the bigger, more physical wide receivers. And for me, the Bills really need someone to step up and compliment Trey White on the outside. And Kevin Johnson has a pedigree to make that work. It's not like he's an undrafted rookie who caught lightning in a bottle for one year, which I'm sorry to say, but it kind of feels like that's the case with, with Levi Wallace. And now I'm not saying Levi Wallace can't be a contributing member of this defense. I still think he does have the ability to contribute, to provide valuable depth that you can never have enough good cover corners in this league, but you watch what Jarvis Landry 
did last week and what Preston Williams had done with the Miami Dolphins' first matchup. It was really frustrating to watch him getting pushed around and around. And instead, now what you said, uh, what you saw Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier do was they gave Kevin Johnson 36 snaps at the cornerback spot, splitting it almost even with Levi Wallace, who had 33 snaps out there. And to me, I think you're going to see a lot more of that trend moving forward, a split where Kevin's getting 50 or more percent of the snaps and Levi Wallace is contributing, but not nearly as large of a capacity as he was before. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, it, it we've obviously seen some changes in in the defense and well the, the the lineups on both sides of the ball as well. We saw Shaq Lawson get more snaps than Trent Murphy for the first time this season. Um, we saw Kevin Johnson come in the game on offense. We we saw that uh, eleven personnel grouping that you were talking about earlier stay on the field the majority of the time. What do you think was going on with the coaching staff that decided, okay, we we need to make a change and we need to do it you now? Know, I think honestly, Jamie, it goes back to what they said to Josh Allen. You know, I think the Bills for a while have just played a little tight with everything. And you notice them get extremely conservative, either when they have a lead or when they're not playing well. And I think this is the Bills coaches showing their players too that hey we trust you we trust you to make the plays that you're meant to make we trust you to be in the positions to succeed I think they've clamped up and been very conservative for a long time and I think Sunday was a great opportunity for the Bills just to pin everything back leave it all out there and really play aggressively on both sides of the ball offense and defense and to me you know that the players pick up on that they can tell if the coaching staff has a has a belief in them that they can do well and that they can succeed and that's infectious I think that's what we saw on on Sunday. Of course, the one unit that had a horrible, disastrous, no good day was the special teams. I I almost lost it when Jakeem Grant had that 101-yard touchdown return following Buffalo's long touchdown drive. I almost lost it when they recovered the onside kick. Thank goodness for the fumble on the deep ball that gave Buffalo the ball back. But Jamie, this unit had a terrible terrible day out there. And I really don't know outside of uh, Stephen Hauschka having a good performance. I don't really know what the difference is, why the bills are so bad on defense. They allowed the 101 yard kickoff return for Jakeem Grant. Then there was another 49 yard return by Grant, giving the Dolphins the ball at midfield. Grant had 198 yards of kickoff returns on five kicks. That's 40 yards a run back, and they just did not seem to have it together. What did you see that maybe gives you some insight as to why this unit struggled so badly? 
Well, I saw issues with lane integrity on the coverage units in the middle of the field. Um, and that actually began after Saran Neal left the game with a concussion. He's been a special teams ace of theirs. He does take the middle of the field on the kick returns. And you saw in that 101-yard run back, uh, the middle of the field opened up. And, man, they've been – the kick coverage units have been pretty weak all year, and that really kicked it up a notch. Frankly, I didn't believe that – one person could make such a difference when it came to when it came to coverage, but apparently it does. And man, that effort by Hauschka to try to catch Grant was uh, man. Did that look like a kicker trying to catch a a real player? <laughs> well, th- thank goodness, though, Jamie. You love to see the effort, but thank goodness Hauschka didn't get hurt on that play because you just never know what's going to happen when it comes to a kicker trying to stop an aggressive return man like that. Also, they need to make their tackles. When you get a hand on the guy, you got to at least slow him down enough for somebody else to get there. Um, I, I, I haven't been happy with, with the special teams under the McDermott regime. So whether that's personnel or coaching, they've got to get that. And right. hopefully the, the, you know, Saran Neal, I mean, his injury, obviously, you know, with him having the sideline or being sidelined, that really did affect, you know, the special teams unit out there, only eight snaps. He appeared uh, on the, on the field four, and that's a major loss for them as is Ty and Shecky, the right tackle who were still not quite sure the severity of his injury, but boy, Jamie, that did not look good when he um, had basically Avery Moss fell onto his body with his full weight. Uh, and Shecky went down immediately crumpling in pain. You could tell it was a severe injury for him. I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't, Cody Ford is probably going to be one who steps up and answers the bell, but I was enjoying what Nshecki was bringing to the table on this offensive line. That's a huge blow for this team. I was with you on that. I consider him to be one of their best players on offense, even though he wasn't starting week after week. He was coming in and doing a a great job. I don't think that Cody Ford is ready to be a a starting right tackle in this league. I think his future is at guard and losing Inseki is going to, that's going to be a big problem going forward against some of the better defenses that the Bills are going to be faced with, especially if they Fingers crossed, knock on wood, all the rest of this stuff, uh, make the playoffs this year. Um, like you said, the way they carted him off the field and put the the boot on him, that does not look like an injury that's going to allow him to return this year. And at 34 years old, man, there's a possibility that's career-threatening too. So we, we wish him all the best because, boy, it would be really good if they could get him back, but I'm just not very confident of that. And I was really upset about it. I, The guy is an excellent player who's always been quite unheralded, but he has been very, very good the past couple of years, last year for Washington and this year for the Bills. And I think Cody Ford has been learning a lot from him too. Uh, those injuries, they always bite you at the wrong yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. It's unfortunate to see. But again, this will be another situation where next man up for the Bills, maybe Ryan Bates steps in and sees more time as a swing tackle. He'll definitely be elevated from the practice squad, you would imagine, to be a more of a reserve backup lineman on this squad. Cody Ford is the one who it seems like is going to take over at the right tackle spot, a big blow for the Bills offense. But again, at least Buffalo looks like they were rounding into form and playing their most complete game outside of the special teams debacle they had on Sunday. Week 11, the Bills get the win to go 
to seven and three. Another AFC game coming up here on Sunday for the Bills, hosting the Denver Broncos. Week 12 matchup at New Era Field. Buffalo is a full game up on their nearest competition for the wild card, the Houston Texans and the Oakland Raiders. They are two games up on the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. Of course, they hold a tiebreaker over the Titans, and they'll have a chance to play the Steelers the middle of December in Pittsburgh. But this is a key stretch, Jamie, for the Bills. Really need to get a win on Sunday against the Broncos to get to eight and three, get that sixth win in conference play. We all agree that 10 feels safe. 10 wins feels very safe in the AFC. In the NFC, 10 wins is not going to do you anything because all six of the playoff teams have at least eight wins. But in the AFC, at least 10 wins should be good enough to get this team back to the playoffs for the second time in three years. And at least, Jamie, we're sitting here recapping a positive whooping that the Bills laid out on the Dolphins in South Beach on Sunday and not coming up with, oh, man, another they barely eke this one out. It feels good to just kick someone's ass. Yeah, it it really does. And they've got to win going forward. There's teams that are nipping at their heels one game behind, including the Raiders, which I never saw coming. Yeah, that was that's crazy to me that they have six wins on the year and they might be the best, most thorough team in the AFC West. The Chiefs look mortal and pedestrian. They did get a win over the Chargers in Mexico. But hey, you know what? Buffalo Bills got a win seven and three on the year. And of course, we will be back later on this week as we preview the week 12 opponent, the Denver Broncos coming to town with Brandon Allen. We'll tell you what to expect out of that matchup. We'll get you ready for week 12 at New Era Field as Buffalo looks to get another win at home. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. A reminder, you can follow us on social media. Buffalo Rumblings is at Buff Rumblings. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I'm John Boccasino here on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.